Good evening and welcome to Harmonics. I'm Gregory Correa and tonight I have a very famous personality who comes from a very famous legendary band. Please, I would like to introduce right now at this moment, Rene Escovito. It is an honor to oh, have thanks, you here. Man, man it's, <laughs> it's so good. You look great. Thank you. Uh, God, I can't believe you're here. It's, you know, you're just such a renowned guy and we, we just love you here in the East Bay. But we'll get right into the interview. You know what I wanted to talk about, Renee, is uh, how did you start? Yeah. You know, how did you start being a percussionist? Well, you know, man, I tell you, you know, for us as kids, I mean, anybody that was around the household, even just friends, you know, and extended family members, it, uh, you know, they provided such a, a wonderful, fun, positive environment. You know, whenever you're there, yes. I mean, you walk into any of the households. And there was always, you know, any number of different styles of music playing. Of course, you know, all those influences. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't realize it as a kid that, you know, subconsciously it's just, it's just being pumped in, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then all the instruments were around the house. Uh -huh. And then there's the family gatherings, you know, on the weekends. And then as kids, it was family. We went to all the venues, you know. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know it half the time as kids when we were real young. We're walking and running around backstage at all these you know these big venues and hanging out with all these heavy players and right. you know for us as kids I mean, you're you're in it you're around it and and it becomes part of the, one of those things where it's like nurture versus nature mm -hmm. you know and it, it becomes part of your nurturing right. so it just it's 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 embedded it's ingrained it's mm -hmm. just part of your makeup and you don't realize it mm -hmm. and if it takes off for me man I, I really I didn't have a choice man mm -hmm. when I when I reached a certain age mm -hmm. Like all the rest of them that say, you know, beating on pots and pans, countertop, <laughs> whatever it was, you know, whatever you get your hands on, same thing. It same was really, thing. really your playground, huh? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. You know, it, it, was, uh, it was nice to have a loving family environment, mm -hmm. whether it was at my own home or, you know, over, you know, you know my aunt and uncles, you know, mm -hmm. whatever ones I was at. Tell the audience who your uh, aunt and uncles were. Uh, well, you know, my uncle, of course, Coke Escovito, and then Pete Escovito, and then Phil Escovito, and then, you know, Juanita, and then, of course, Pete's siblings, you know, Sheila E., mm -hmm. Juan Escovito, mm -hmm. Peter Mike, mm -hmm. Zena, their youngest, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then all the other extended, you know, family members mm -hmm. that, you know, I believe in their own right mm -hmm. that have been the backbone supportive system from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of us that work for years and mm -hmm. still do mm -hmm. for either Sheila or for Pete, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, it's we're behind the scenes. Yeah, it, you know, it's so wonderful because you have such an outstanding uh, family tree that you could just pick from and just you have such influences and things like that. Um, I wanted to talk, you were talking about hitting pots and pans. Yeah. I read in your bio you were, uh, you were hitting on a rubber mallet for a long, long time before you actually got your own set. Yeah, actually, you know, in elementary school when uh, when they thought, you know, it would be a good idea for me to get some, some actual, you know, uh, teaching in terms of musical curriculum, mm -hmm. you know, in school. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, I was at Jefferson Elementary over in Oakland. Wow. And uh, literally, it, was, it looked like, you know, at that time, you mm -hmm. know, uh, drumming in terms of drumming and rudimental instruction and exercise and all that mm -hmm. stuff for just snare drum. Mm -hmm. Um, wasn't the main focus in the music program at that level at that time. Mm -hmm. So they literally had set up a teacher that was going to be, that's a music teacher that was going to teach certain students drum rudiment stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like a hall utility closet that they turned in <laughs> to, well, that's where we went like certain time of the day. There was only like two, two, two kids could go in there at one time to take, you know, some instruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, all he had was, you know, little practice pads. Mm -hmm. 
And that's all we got to play was like these little rubber pla uh, practice pads for mm -hmm. like a whole year, I mm -hmm. remember. Mm -hmm. I never even touched a drum that whole year when I was just taking that whole thing. Was that that like that little, looked like a little, it uh, had a circle rubber yeah, pad? Yeah, exactly. Oh. You know, they, they, and they put it on a couple of real shabby, you know, hand-me-down, yeah. no, snare drums. Oh, that, really? That weren't, that didn't have any snares on them or nothing. <laughs> they didn't make, you know, the snare noise or nothing. Yeah. It was just, you had to play. And he would teach us the basics, you know, just basic rudiment stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I did that for a while. And then, uh, you know, for the next year, um, they finally, like, you know, said, okay, well, let's, they fixed the snare drums. And mm -hmm. then we got to play the snares. But we never got to play any hi-hat time, no bass drum, no, no other tom rack toms. tom, no ride, no nothing. It was just, just, just one right drum, there. you know, so. When, like, okay, so you, you went to Jefferson. Yeah. Right on 11th Avenue. Yeah. Um, that's where I went to school at St. Anthony's. At okay. that particular time, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah. yeah, so it's, that's kind of ironic. You know, you started getting your rhythm. Yeah. Obviously, you had rhythm in your body. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, what was like the first set, uh, but before we go, your technique, are you a, a classical holder of the, of your, I you play know? match grip. Okay, you yeah. play match grip. And I'm grip. a complete southpaw. Are you really? And Excellent. I, yeah, which was really kind of bizarre at first because going through basic construction, mm -hmm coming into contact with other people and of course being behind the scene growing up as a kid mm -hmm. and also with my my stepfather's father that gave me my first kit mm -hmm. he was traditional jazz so you know you know standard traditional grip mm -hmm. and tried to get me to play right-handed man and i tried my mm. hardest and it just i don't know what it was man i was already writing left-handed i knew i was left-handed okay. and i was definitely left-footed okay um, so in terms of that balance factor mm -hmm. um, at that time it just I just couldn't seem to get it factored in to go ahead and play mm -hmm. right-handed mm -hmm. and make it work right um, and 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 see the progression of being creative with it and actually start to absorb you know the technique and the mm -hmm. basics of playing as a right-handed drummer so you know, when I finally got full control of my own kit and my yes. own surrounding, right. I started moving stuff around. Mm -hmm. And one piece at a time, it went from being set up right-handed to Going sort of flipping over. stuff over. And yeah. eventually, just like you everything else, man, I just, everything ended up being like complete southpaw. Not realizing how much havoc I was creating for right, myself right, exactly. down the line, right? right. right? Um, I mean, talk about going to jam sessions, man. People are like, man, Renee, come sit in. <laughs> right? Yes. Man, you don't have to turn it around. No, I'm you left. Don't. I'm, I'm a south. Oh, no, it's okay. We'll do it. I'm like, no, really, you don't have to. You know, so, you know, years later, mm -hmm. I teach right-handed. Mm -hmm. I teach kids, adults, everybody, all levels. I teach right-handed. Outrageous. You know, That's but. Amazing. You're like kid, a mirror, really. Yeah. You're a mirror. Yeah. You do, if, when you're teaching. You know, what was your first kit? What was your actually first oh, kit that man. you actually. My liked? first kit, um, you know, my. Uh, my stepfather's dad, my grandfather, you mm -hmm. know, th through that, through that whole relationship, man, mm -hmm. it was just uh, he had this jazz, this this jazz. It was uh, so Crown was the manufacturer. Little was it a Crown. custom little the little cocktail? Sets? Big old twenty-four oh, inch bass nice. drum, candy apple red. I love with it. the one rack tom and the one floor tom and the snare, ride a crash in a hi hat, right? Mm -hmm. And he he gave me the whole thing, man. But it was one of his old jazz sets that he had. And he, I was nine years old when he gave it to me. You know, wow. that was my first kit when I was nine. So wow. he gave me that kit. And, uh, you know, we were living right over there on 63rd and Foothill, right across the street from Frick Junior High. I know Frick is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I put it in the garage, this place right there. Mm -hmm. And no soundproofing, no nothing. You know, the garage concrete floor and mm -hmm. just 
know nothing, man. And my parents just say, you know, go have at it, you know. And I'd Wonderful. go in there and just bang away. And that's when I first started, you know, figuring stuff out on the kit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from that point on, that's where I figured out right away, you know, mm -hmm. that I just wasn't going to be able to swing it right-handed. So I just, I eventually, like I said, I swapped it all left. Absolutely. And I just kept going from there, there you know. You I really kept going from there. So when you when you got your little studio, yeah, it's in your it's in your own private little studio, your garage, which yeah. is, that's where a lot of yeah. great beginnings begin. Who what did you who did you listen to, and oh, who wow. were some of your influences? Give me a couple. Just who were your influences that you actually were kind of woodshedding? That's what you do. So right. what, what were you who were you listening to at that age? I, I think um, for me. On my, on my own in terms of where I started to go to. I mean, mm -hmm. it, keep in mind, like with between my dad, Bobby Escovito, mm -hmm. and his his uh, his stuff that he listened to, which mm -hmm. was really um, like Cal Jader, <laughs> Tito Puente, you know, Poncho Sanchez. I mean, a, a lot of the older, you know, Benny Velarde, mm -hmm. you know, and all the other big Latin jazz orchestras, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then he also was a, like a huge fan of Mel Torme, of Frank Sinatra, mm -hmm. you know, Stan Getz, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all these other different straight jazz vibes with these right. big jazz bands. Right. Um, not me, not realizing one of those other things, nurture nature. It's, right in it's your mind. just, it's just, I'm, yeah. you know, everywhere we go, every time I was with Dad, it's like, you know, he's singing some song, playing the tune, and it's, right. it's, it's going in. Right. Not realizing that later on, years down the line, that, that it was going to ring a bell in my exactly. head. Now, for me. And then with my stepfather, he was more of like, uh, you know, the, the jazz that was more of the 70s and the 80s, you know, with like Marvin Gaye, Grover, Grover T. Washington, George Benson, you know, um, you know, Bob James, mm -hmm. um, you know, Noel, uh, Noel Pointer, uh, Pointer uh, Jean-Luc Ponte, uh, you know, all these real progressive jazz guys, mm -hmm. right? Right, right. So he starts, you know, giving me all the vinyl, his old vinyl, for all this <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, so then I'm listening, I'm getting into that. My mom, yes. you know, she was like, you know, a closet vocalist. She used to be a go-go dancer when my dad and her met. Love right? it. So she loves all the Motown, the soul, mm -hmm. the R&B, right? Excellent, yeah. Beautiful voice. She sing around the house all the time, right? So there was all that. And then I had the stuff of my stepfather, stuff of my dad. Now keep in mind, I'm still getting inundated with Pete and Juanita, all the stuff that I'm right. like, and, you know, I'm just immersed in it. Mm -hmm. And then... I had a couple other, you know, aunts and uncles like my auntie Alice. You know, God bless you. You know, because she's been long past, but mm -hmm. she married a Puerto Rican, oh, and that was one of the other houses the other. I would frequent all the time. You know, mm -hmm. on the way home from school, stop off at Auntie Alice's house, see my uncle Tom. Mm -hmm. Every time I walked in that house, dude, there was some band I had no idea Puerto Rican. You know, the kinka kinko, kinka kinko, kink, right? No idea. But I'm like, okay, it's it's the norm. Now you walk into the house, you know, you right. eat the food, you listen to the music, you're like, right. and I never bothered to ask who was who. What artist had no clue? Never did. Wow. It never dawned on me. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it was just, it was part of that environment. Mm -hmm. A music appreciation, music oh. education, and you know, every, you just every time, every day. So let's let's move up on let's move up a little bit on the chart. When did you actually feel? Obviously, it's a learning experience all the time. Yeah, I know that. You, I, I read some things about you that you your music speaks to you. You try to play your drums as speaking because they really are drums. I mean, next oh. to the voice, it is the, yeah. the speaking thing. When did you actually think? When were you actually ready to go into a band in the twenty when you were twenties, or what were you actually doing around in that period of time? Um, you know, this is funny. There was a when I really started to get into realizing there was some drummers out there other than all 
the heavy metal I grew up with as, mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was a metalhead for a while, mm -hmm. you know, as a teenager. Who'd you like in the metal? Oh, man, geez. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, <laughs> Def Leppard. Of course, you know, Rush. Rush was huge. Huge. You I'm know, so I was, I was, you know, Neil was like very, very, very influential to me, mm -hmm. not realizing that I would, I would get turned on by some other drummers, even though I was listening to those groups, but mm -hmm down the line like with Tommy Aldridge, you know, oh, John Bottom, great. you know, um, uh, even uh, like with Steve Smith with Journey, mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, Terry Bozio because of the stuff he, he did, mm -hmm. you know, with the different acts he oh, was I've with. Oh, I've seen Terry you know. with uh, uh, Louis Belson when they did that. Yeah, you know, I mean, but all the stuff he did, you know, before, and all these other different drummers with all these different rock bands, you know, listening to that realm and going through that, mm -hmm. that and all the other stuff all happened at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that when I finally started to try to define at that young age, at that point, and as a young adult, you know, coming into my 20s, you know, what did I really like to listen to? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I really started to gravitate towards listening more to, like, Bob James mm -hmm. and listening to Steve Gadd, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then some of the other, of course, Weather Report with Peter Erskine. Excellent. You know, um, those cats. And then I think it really hit the fan for me when, uh, uh, when I found Vinnie Caliuta, you know, mm -hmm. and then right around just after that, I was starting to explore, find, you know, I, I, I found Tony Williams late, mm. way too late, mm -hmm. way too late. Mm -hmm. A lot of other different jazz drummers and progressive jazz, mainstream jazz drummers I found late in life, mm -hmm. but man, I absorbed it right away. I just, I mean, I dig it because, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff that was embedded in my head when I found those artists and really just started to listen to them, I went, oh, it all makes sense. Oh man, it, oh, it's beautiful. And then, uh, and then Dave Weckl hit the scene, mm. and I just went nuts. Mm -hmm. I went and I went, wow, that is probably the most complete drummer I've ever heard in terms of pulling all these different elements, these different influences, mm -hmm. and, and his placement, and his technique, mm -hmm. and his vibe, and, and his melody. Mm -hmm. Melody, I think at that point for me was what really sent me off where mm -hmm. I knew I needed to go as mm -hmm. a drummer mm -hmm. rather than just a drummer that was the timekeeper and mm -hmm. just was slamming down grooves, mm -hmm. which is, of course, definitely important. Mm -hmm. um, but realizing that drums from a percussive perspective, having three congas, two bongo, two timbal, right, mm -hmm. cowbells, chimes, all these different, different that, that had tone mm -hmm. and, and the opportunity to create melody, mm -hmm. vibes, you know, mm -hmm. all these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, even in, in concert and marching with mm -hmm. quads and mm -hmm. snares and tenors and bass drums, mm -hmm. there's melody that's played in notation. You're absolutely correct. When, when I got that message, Dave Weckl was one of those guys that helped me realize that in his approach to playing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like just immersed myself in everything that Dave Weckl did from the very beginning. Wow. And then he led me to all the people he was trained by, you know, all the books, those other great teachers, mm -hmm. not even realizing that all those other drummers I've been listening to had also been taught by those same teachers. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and, I, and like within, I'd say within five years time, man, mm -hmm. it all just like just started, I just started finding stuff. I'm like, whoa, all this information. That this is, so, is so cool. That is so cool. You know, you talked about a lot of drummers. Yeah. Which and, and you're like a library to me. Oh, the list you know, goes on, dude. It just it just goes on and on and on. Tell me about. You've shared a lot of bills with a lot of people. Yeah. Tell me some of the 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 people that you really like to hang out with backstage. Obviously, you've, you you know backstages are busy and they're fun, but you also get you got to also get ready to concentrate on your own set. Who's a who's some of the fun individuals in the backstages or people that you like to play with? I mean, 
Oh, uh, you know, it's probably I think, a long list also. Yeah, but, but yeah. give me a few. Who Who are some of the people that you like to? You do you feel relaxed with? Yeah. Um, you know, wow, man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, I did this stench with uh, with Ernie Panada, heart mm -hmm. player mm -hmm. with the Delta Wires. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know their history. Mm -hmm. Didn't you know? I knew that they were rooted in the Bay Area, in mm -hmm. Oakland, and stuff. And right. then when I found out their history and their story and the clubs they played, I was with them for like two and a half years, I think. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, in, in, in a nutshell, mm -hmm. that was really fun to play mm -hmm. blues with that soul funk type of thing, that right. tower power element. Right. You know, um, playing with uh, with Lydia from Cold Blood, I did some stuff with her way back when. That was nice. You know, I've shared the stage with, you know, a lot of different local people, you know, Lenny, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, of course, with Pete, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've been on different venues. And I think the mo in terms of behind the scenes and hanging out with people, if I had, had shared the stage with someone or been on the same venue with people, mm -hmm. you know, anybody that's ever played with Pops, mm -hmm. you know, or Sheila, all mm -hmm. those people, mm -hmm. um, they're all so real and so family orientated yes. and they're like extended family so when I see them even though you don't have that that real close one-on-one -on -one relationship with every one of them every day mm -hmm. even now when I see them even though it's it's not so often but when I do I remember them from when I was like you know growing <laughs> yes, up they yeah. were always there mm -hmm. I remember like with Ray Obiedo when he first started with Pops mm -hmm. and with you know the von Wagenhagen brothers, Mark and Paul. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I admire these guys mm -hmm. so much with their playing. Rebecca Malion, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, and Dave Matthews, those keyboard players, those wow, those, those two guys. keyboard players right. for me, to be to have the opportunity to grow up and 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 help them set up on stage, mm -hmm. watch them play, mm -hmm. and just take it all in, mm -hmm. and then be able to hang out with them as just people when in between the breaks or before and after mm -hmm. to see what it's all about. Um, being with Sheila, you know, when she did the whole You have a twinkle in your eye every time you say twi uh, Sheila. Yeah, yeah you know, because Sheila created some... Wonderful, wonderful yeah, she person. she created some opportunities for me as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when uh, when she hit it with, with Prince on the Purple Rain tour, mm -hmm. you know, uh, some of us were allowed to hang out and were, were given access to the whole backstage thing. Mm -hmm. You know, at some of the big, you know, at the Cow Palace and the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. And I went to some other city, you know, cities to, to watch the, those shows. But I, I found myself... Uh, having the opportunity to, to be, you know, right with someone else that mm -hmm. had a lot to do with something that happened on a production of that level and size. Yeah, huge, isn't it? Really, really huge. And to be able to have that as a free learning experience, to be able to turn to someone and go, hey, how does that work? How do you do that? <laughs> and them openly say, well, you know, here, here, I'll show you. This mm -hmm. is, this is what I have to do to get all this to happen. And right. they just like, they open it up. Mm -hmm. And it's just up to you to just take it all in. Wow, it's so. amazing. Um, you have your own project going on. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. Uh, the current project right now, man, is Rene Escovito and The Fuse. Um, and I think I, I found myself gravitating towards that name for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. More importantly is because um, I still find myself fusing all these different elements, mm -hmm. these influences, mm -hmm. into the music I enjoy to play. Mm -hmm. Of course, some of which is my original stuff that I had with a band. Mm -hmm. 
some time ago, mm -hmm. and I'm bringing that stuff back in because it's still relevant mm -hmm. in terms of the story mm -hmm. and the music that I developed when I wrote all that stuff back then. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some of those those players back with me. Mm -hmm. um, more importantly, one of them, you know, my, my lead guitar player, Bobby Bobby Simcox, is mm -hmm. just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Are you, are you, oh, so you're a five-piece, obviously you're a five-piece, and you have... Um, where, where are some of the venues are you going to be playing? Are you getting ready to play? Are you playing oh, locally yeah. around we're here? We're playing locally around, you know, trying to make sure that we're, uh, we got one coming up on the 7th this weekend, Friday night, mm -hmm. at the Rajah restaurant over here on Winton, okay. in Asperian. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a 9 to 1. Mm -hmm. We're doing two shows there with a comedian in the middle and doing a Latin <laughs> I salsa love that contest. Too. I love that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, the next day, we're actually uh, in the afternoon at the Spring Fest in Alameda on Park Street for Mother's Day weekend from 3.30 to 5.30 on the stage, on the Lincoln stage. Mm -hmm. And then that night, we're at Cafe Van Cleef. You are busy. You know, over at, uh, from 9 to 1 that night uh, with Peter Van Cleef over mm -hmm. at the Van Cleef on Telegraph. Mm -hmm. Um, and then later on in the month, I think we're probably got we got another one at the winery at the Gari Winery mm -hmm. out in Livermore. Okay, uh, doing some stuff out there. Do you have Do you have a website? If you want to repeat it, we could. We oh could yeah, have, absolutely. We could you, know, for you, you can that. go to thefuse.info. That's our homepage that is right now currently under construction. Um, but you can also find me on Facebook mm -hmm. and MySpace. Mm -hmm. um, the easiest way to find me is to make sure you just Google my name, Rene Escovito, mm -hmm. R E N E. Mm -hmm. One E Escovito, mm -hmm. and all those pages will come up, mm -hmm. and I maintain those event calendars on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and keep people informed. I even mm -hmm. told them I was coming here today. Oh, that's uh, great! To do this, we what what will happen? We will uh, we will do something really for you. This you know, it's on it's on television. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of viewers. Uh, what I w want to ask you also: What gets you up when you're getting ready to go up on stage? What what mindset? That did you get? How do you how do you get up? Honestly, right now for me, mm -hmm. um, everything that I have the opportunity to do right now mm -hmm. is a total blessing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, four years ago, um, this Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, I was hit by a car. Oh wow! And it broke my lower left leg, and there was a threat of them amputating my leg. Wow, that's your um, foot pedal. Yes, mm -hmm. it's my bass drum pedal. Yes, you're right. It, it knocked me off the set. Mm -hmm. um, Fifteen surgeries later, over a span of two and a half years, okay, I'm, I finally got used to the leg out of a cast. So I fell off the grid for a while. So now, having gone through all this and still going through it because it still gets stored once in a while, it's still going through its rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. But I find that the more time I spend on the kit, mm -hmm. it is physical ther therapy for me mm -hmm. because it's on the pedal. And I'm getting to do, it. and the muscles, it's true what they say, mm -hmm. muscle memory mm -hmm. is a mind blower because the leg remembers everything and it wants to do everything that it remembers. Now, it doesn't always get the chance to go through that complete motion, right. but it remembers. Wow. And m the thing that gets me going is mm -hmm. just knowing I'm playing again. So I'm, beautiful. I'm, I'm playing again. I, I've asked a lot of musicians this and a lot of different people. What about, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many people are out there watching you play. Right. It's sure you get more energy. Sure you get more energy about, um, with all, a, a lot more people, but it's the opportunity to play, isn't it? Yes. Would you agree? Oh, or, absolutely. Because yeah. you could find something while you're playing. You're a fusion guy. Obviously, you do a lot of improvisation. You talked about your guitar player. Mm-hmm. 
uh, elaborate on your guitar player, bass player. You got a keyboard player. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. I got a, my keyboard player came to me uh, through a, a referral. I was doing a church gig with uh, Peter Meredith, another local talented keyboard player, mm -hmm. and he had this guy that was his co-director for a church gig on Sundays. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, kid out of, out of college. Mm -hmm. You know, young young man and. Uh, he's a musical director for churches and stuff, named uh, David Dupart, mm -hmm. really talented kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I got him playing with me, and then uh, your bassist, uh, bass player, man, is a long time Barry, a cat that knows a lot of people, probably knows a lot of the same people that you, that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Corey DeBrake. Mm -hmm. um, really very entrepreneurial guy. Mm -hmm. He developed our web, our new website, the homepage, and everything. Go Came up with the too. logo. For it. the fuse, and mm -hmm. that's his whole idea. Mm -hmm. He does all that stuff, all that artwork. Mm -hmm. Very talented bass players, mm -hmm. built production companies, mm -hmm. recording studios. Mm -hmm. Really, just I mean, he's he's a. They call him the Frankenstein. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a talented cat. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my my guitar player, Bobby Simcox. Mm -hmm. Bobby Simcox, you know, San Jose cat originally, but you know, I actually knew Bobby. Uh, when I was a drum tech for another drummer, a buddy of mine, when I was like 16 years old, mm -hmm. uh, a drummer named Jimmy Wells plays for a Journey tribute band now, mm -hmm. doing really good. Mm -hmm. Well, Bobby was in a band with him as the rhythm guitar player mm -hmm. when we were kids, and wow. they used to rehearse upstairs of the Alameda Theater when they had oh, rehearsal spaces Oh, I know exactly. There, I used right? to rehearse up there yeah. myself. Well, it was, it was um, this young kid that was, you know, someone's son that put this rock band together, and, mm -hmm. and that's where I met Bobby. And I hadn't seen Bobby for years, and then I ended up doing this stench with uh, with Sapo, Richard Bean from mm -hmm. Malo. I mm -hmm. used to play. That's another great band I play with that I mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. Love playing with that band. Where Bobby was playing with him, and you pulled him out. And I said, "Dude, I got this original project, man. I think you might want to want to jump in with it. You know, let me know if you're interested." And I let him listen to the stuff, and he said, "Man, I, I'm down. I'm good." And he was with me ever since. So how long has th this band, this project has, how long has this project This been? current one now yes. literally has been together for maybe just going on, coming up maybe five and a half, six months, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, you know, Renee, I would like to have you come back. Sure, because I'd love to come back. Thank you. And you know, what's really nice about this, um, you have such a wealth of information. <laughs> uh, and you, you know you're sharing it with the audience, and so many people want to know what you do. Yeah. And uh, when I found out that my producers got you on my show, I was thrilled no, because you. um, your family name is so respectful in my family because you have brought so much goodness yourself. Your new band has brought so much goodness, but I want you to come back. Yes. But I also want to remind the audience once again, as you notice, Renee and I both have sunglasses on. <laughs> and if you really want to come on my show, and most of the people and musicians have been, you've got to wear shades because you got to be real cool. Because the guy that I'm sitting next to is like ice, man. He is one of the coolest, one of the hippest fuse drummers in the world. He is in your own backyard. He gave you a few little dates that he's going to be on. So what I want you all to do is get on his website. Email this gentleman. If you could see him locally, see him. It's such an honor and a pleasure that you're on my show. And thank you man, so much thank you for very being much. here. And thank you, man. Next time yeah. we'll bring your band. Yeah. We'll bring some of your people on here. Bring, and and uh, we'll do this again. I want you on the show. And thank you so much, Renee. Love it, man. Thank you very much. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to thank this world-renowned drummer, Renee Escovito. I'd like to thank all of you tonight for being on my show. And just remember, you got to wear shades to be on harmonics. God bless you all, and good night.